0: Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go. <laughs> The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of an egalitarian Linux platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which Everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of the amount of developers, and prospective sales. Well, if you have a game and it is good, then give it time and it will thrive. And you won't be that. We have news, we have the latest titles that we are interested in, of course. Features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite. The deals. uh, The best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of. It it must must run on Linux and it it must must be be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some ala mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you uh, ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, Which is... Welcome to episode number... What is it, Ivor? 436 of the Best Linux Games Podcast! Being recorded for you on this, the 4th of March, 2023. Saturday, the 4th of March, 2023. At 1917, uh, 100 hours. Yeah, 1917. Uh, left Coast, Pacific Coast, coast with the most. <laughs> Uh, 717. Yes, I'm turning into Sean Connery. Crack engineer, Ivor Molina over there in the booth. One ping only, Vasily. One ping only, Ivor. Ivor's holding up the whiskey sign. Cheers, Ivor. You're fired. Mm. Mm. We got a... Oh, that would, of course, make it for our sequel, friends. Uh, 2023 uh, 3 04. Um. We have a big show for you this week I oh shit still Chris Fisher is in my head we have a lot of stuff to cover this week so let's get straight to our top story shall we um first off we still have my beds it's getting worse which is like not not really something I can explain in ways that are rational because I'm not rational anymore I, uh, again I'm sorry for the chair creaking but uh yeah so that continues a pace um, Marauders is still borked. And I, I, I'm very sad to report that after all of these many weeks doing the Marauders' When Will They Fix It? watch at the start of the top of every fucking episode of this show. We are now retiring it. We are forced to abandon Team 17 to the demons which evidently possess them. And may they rot in the wilderness, you commie scum. Uh... Fuck you, Team 17, and fuck Marauders, because it's still borked, and we will not be checking in on them anymore. Um, We have a great feature for you this week. It's our full review. I'm sorry about this chair. It's just out of control. We have a uh, great feature for you this week. It's our full review of M- Mountain Blade 2 uh, Bannerlord. Uh, and we also have a new and noteworthy for you. But before we get to any of those things, I just want to uh, mentioned that there's a Ubisoft sale that's going on uh, I'm sure anyone who's been in the Steam client has seen it uh, it started on March 9th what, uh, you know, I'm sorry it, it started sometime this week and it ends on March 9th, so you have five days to avail yourself, and so here's just some of the things you might want to look you know, might want to give a look at if you've had these on your these franchises on your list uh, for a while because um, the, the deals are really good um the entire Assassin's Creed franchise is on sale although I didn't see the Viking one that I was playing what Valha- what was it called um shit yeah Valhalla um I didn't see that one listed on there I think that's the most recent one but whatever all the other ones are on there and they're very cheap um Far Cry, the Far Cry franchise is on there, especially Far Cry 5, which I think was, none of these are going to be listed in the show notes. So, cause I just imagine sa- saving a bunch of time and getting to our, our new and nowhere in our feature. Yeah. So Far, Far Cry 5 is 85% off at $9 and New Dawn is 80% off at $8. Um, then they have a lot of the older games too but the one that I know runs on Linux is Far Cry 5 and Far Cry New Dawn. Two games that I really enjoyed playing a lot, but really hated the ending of Far Cry 5. I mean, I hated the ending of it. Go back and listen to our full review of Far Cry 5 if you want to hear how much one person can really, truly hate the ending of one game that was otherwise a magnificent uh, playing experience. Um... And then, uh... Oh, also, in in the Ubisoft sale, there's a... It's a weird franchise. It's called Trackmania. It's an old, old franchise. The one that I got to work was Trackmania Canyon. And it's really cool. It's a different type of racing game. It's very much like Burnout 3, but without the insane, huge crashes. Um, but with, um... These, I think, they're procedurally generated. There's just so many maps, like it generated said, "Where do you live?" at the start of my game, and I was like, "Yeah, I live in Las Vegas, Nevada." And so I was racing at the Hoover Dam, and I just kept unlocking new tracks at the Hoover Dam. So I don't know if like that happens if you put in like, you know, Thunder Creek, Iowa, or. Mom's farts, Nebraska, or whatever. Um, if like it just generates them or what, but uh, that game is really cool. Trackmania squared or two, I'm not sure. Canyon, uh, and it's it was cheap. It was like nine dollars, and it's an older older code, so I was just about to clear them. Um, but yeah, you, you check check that out if you're looking for um, an arcade racing game that's really cool. All right, so our new and noteworthy based on with it Ivar. are. I was a North American fall worm in my former life. Here are the newest and most noteworthy titles from this week. So, our solo entry in the new and noteworthy cata- uh, category uh, for this week is Lumencraft, which we I think I may have mentioned it on the show um, before, but it is now... Congratulations to everyone uh, at Lumencraft, the people buying uh, 2D Dynamic Games. Um, because they are now out of early access, so it is... The full release is now out. I played... Uh, two, uh, a little under two hours of it it does have a free demo the full game right now is but uh, now to March 14th is 30% off at $13.99 but here's the deal with uh, Lumencraft it is a single player or co-op um, top down resource gathering free form tower defense mining craft them up and if you know me and you know the show, you know we don't talk about tower defense games on this show. His game is not really a tower defense game because you actually have to go and build all the stuff and so it's more like um, a strategy, but there's like a countdown timer. I've only done the tutorial twice I've not actually played the game yet because, you know, blah um... The real game outside of the tutorial. I own the game. I bought the game. It was $13.99. So I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I'll buy it. And a lot of people I know have really liked this game. I also really liked it. Um, the game's really hard because like you have like a, uh, In the tutorial, at least, you have 30 minutes before the first inbound wave comes, and so you have to, like, learn all this shit, and set up everything and all your defenses and stuff, and you have weapons, too, and you have to mine individually, but you also have, like, the ability to deploy it's all, like, in science fiction far-flung science fiction uh, mining-based bug combat category. Top-down bug combat category. Drilling for uh, Lumen, which is why it's called Lumencraft. Lumen is like this pink crystal that is prized uh, by humanity above all, especially their own fucking lives because they're evidently willing to send us out to go get it. Um, Evidently mining of the Lumen and also mining of the metal, mining of anything aggravates the bugs, and then they come and they try to kill you, and if they kill you, you respawn as a clone, but while your turret defenses and everything, and you are shooting at them yourself, uh, they can destroy your equipment and get to your reactor and blow you up, and that is the end of... Your run, it's a cool game. It's a very interesting. It, it's a very simple concept that's very well executed, and uh, it deserves a uh, a look. See, deserves a mention on the show. So that is LumenCraft. L U M E N C R A F T. That'd be Lima Uniform. Mike, uh, Echo. November. Charlie. Romeo. Alpha. Frank. Tango. Tango down. Alright, we're in position. Let's oh man, this is gonna be a short episode. You know what that means, right, I more? We'll be here the fucking next Christmas. We'll be here for three years. We're doomed. Alright, baste them with it. In accordance with the laws and regulations regarding the internet within your local jurisdiction, Best Linux Games Podcast now presents you with a dose of clap. Just kidding, motherfuckers. It's review time. Okay, so it is review time. We're reviewing Mountain Blade 2 Bannerlord. Now, I have to, I have to say... Um, if I complain at all in this review, it's only because I love this game so much, and I, you know, blah. This game, it, this is a mu- highly anticipated sequel that took a long fucking time for, uh, Tail Worlds to kick out, but they take a long time to kick shit out. Um, it, uh, so, Mountain Blade 2, the overview of the game is basically it combines individual combat, like where you control one character um, combines, combines that aspect of controlling an individual character with both tactical and strategic combat in a realistic historical warfare kind of board game simulation with actual individual combat combines all of that into a hyper-streamlined fantasy kind of uh, war package. It's like a fantasy strategy war package. It's historically based, but it is not um, it's not, you know, history of the Dark Ages. If you want the real history, um... Check out Crusader Kings Three. That's the game for you. Unfortunately, Crusader, and this is why I love Mountain Blade as a franchise and this game in particular, because um, it, it's by far the best. I mean, it's a sequel. It's a, it's it, it improves upon the original in every. Possible way. So speaking of the original, for the uninitiated, if you've never heard of Mountain Blade before, which, you know, it's not the most popular game franchise ever in the history of the world. It is a very popular game franchise, though, among strategy players and a certain niche of strategy players. Because if you know anything about me, I hate strategy games because I lack the entirely lack the capacity for strategic thought. So, um, for the Uninitiate, um, you basically, you control, you start an original character from the very beginning of the game, you get to pick out their background, you get to change how they look, everything about them, and then you evolve them through, like, a choose-your-own-adventure thing. It takes, like, you know, ten minutes. It's great. Character creation is awesome. And the look-and-feel character creation, um, for, it's it's in-depth as you want it to be. Random is basically what I go with. Um... I've, I've got 73 hours in Mountain Blade to Bannerlord. So I've created like five different characters. I failed at three of them. I've succeeded it so far with two of them. But anyway, I, I've, I've been around, uh, you know, so that gives you an idea. Uh, and all three of my characters look totally different. Um, and they look great. The, the character creation is absolutely gorgeous. In fact, the graphics overall in this are. About just a little smidge below average for what you would expect from a triple A title, and this is obviously Tail World, so it's not triple A title. Um, And they're using, you know, the the big important thing is it is so much better than Mountain Blade, um, Warband. It like it improves in every fucking way. So, uh, so you control your individual character in you can control you can control them in, in in real time uh battles while you're also controlling and commanding that battle this is one thing that um mountain blade 2 Bannerlord could be a little better at Um, explaining, at least, because until you get the hang of it, you can't really order around your units that well. But most of the time, you don't really need to. It's just basically, hit F1 and then F3, which is like charge or whatever, or follow me or whatever, and then the battle will sort itself out, generally speaking. Um, If you're fighting against a much bigger army, more care and thought needs to go into provisioning your tenants and actually segmenting out your manpower, but all this is done very quickly um in a very fluid simple fairly straightforward easy way to do it. and then you have the action that you know that makes mountain blade uh the franchise so popular um so the, but the basic anyway the basic game loop works like uh raise a horde you know you you go out into the world you travel around you raise a horde you go to taverns you you recruit mercenaries you build up your little your little tribe there into like maybe you know 50 guys eventually then maybe 150 normally my personal party kind of tends to max out at around um 158 I think is something like that uh but you can expand it further for anything bigger, anything much bigger than that, I like to just f- assemble an army, which brings everyone to your aid. Who's on your? Who's allied with your faction? If you pledge yourself to a warlord or a, a king, uh, that means every everyone is everyone who's near you will come to you, and you will all assemble a massive army. Um, and you can persuade different generals on an individual basis to come. By using your influence, to come, you can make them come. You can make them come? Make them come. Oh, lots of cum. It's a cum dripped come come dripping episode. Um, you can you can incentivize them to come to you to come to your aid, whatever it is you need an army for. It could be an army of conquest, it could be an army of defense. Maybe your own little thieves are getting beaten up by uh some bizarre uh some bizarre minor faction that you have gone to war with because we seem to go to war a lot um, if you're on your own, you can actually declare war on whoever the fuck you want and just, you know, be a badass but I, I, the most enjoyable part of the game for me was actually uh, being able to take or leave um Whatever it is, the rest of my faction was doing by actually pledging my allegiance to Monchog because he was awesome. Um, I also like, I like all the generals in the game and all of them are like, they have like little bits of voice acting and stuff. Uh, and the encounters and stuff are great because, like, you know, you write up to them on, you know, like, let's say they're, they're laying let's say they're about to lay siege to some place and you catch them just before they join that that little chunk of uh, geography outside of the places the castle that they're going to lay siege to and you, you basically write up to them and in first person you see them and they talk to you and you can ask them questions and stuff and you can interrogate prisoners and etc cetera, etc cetera. all the game is very detailed but it's very streamlined it's very much an arcadey experience so if you hated Crusader Kings 3 which I did not I love Crusader Kings 3 and I hate those type of games and that game is basically, has no combat, has no military strategy, it's basically as dumb as shit as you can possibly get, but the diplomacy and the history of that game, if you like real world history by the way, that's the game you need to play uh, Crusader Kings 3, but it has no action in it whatsoever this has this perfect blend of, it's not historically accurate because none of these places are real um... Nor is any of the geography, but it's just always the same map, always the same players and stuff. It is just as elaborate as Crusader Kings 3. Uh, and Crusader Kings 3, I think, is a doctoral fucking thesis. Um, On medieval history. On, on, yeah, pre-medieval history. I mean, it is fucking unbelievable. Uh, Like, just post-Visigoths, medieval history. It is awesome. Mountain Blade 2 is also awesome, but all the characters are fictional. It doesn't make it any less detailed. So, um, so yeah, the game where the game loop basically works like, you know, you raise a horde, you press gang people, you hire mercenaries until you get enough People. Then you fight for every, you know a little bit at the beginning to establish your name. You can fight criminal bandit hordes or invaders. Or if you're already like part of a a, um, a kingdom, if you already have pledge allegiance to somebody else, or if you have your own kingdom and you're getting pushed around, then uh, you fight off those guys. Either they're laying siege or torturing your villages or whatever, or you go and invade slash loot slash. You know, harass, um, nearby, nearby people who you turn into enemies in the doing thereof. Um, but also all of which increases your name and reputation and fearlessness. Uh, your, your, uh, your, your men sense that you are fearless, whatever the fuck. Uh, and then you repeat, you basically repeat that. Occasionally, like if you're part of a, a bigger faction, they will go to war in fact they'll go to war frequently after you get the opportunity to join a bigger faction if you choose to avail yourself of it, you don't have to you can just go on your own Um, that's kind of interesting because then you get a vote in the council and what, what you do, whether or not you heed calls to battle or whatever, it doesn't necessarily weigh on you or impact you that much, it's not so much about what you don't do, it's about more what you do that influences how much influence and sway you have over council votes and stuff like that, which is very cool, and I think is very reflective of the time period that, uh, that Mountain Blade Bannerlord uh, attempts to portray, this fictionalized but it's est- semi-historically accurate um, alternate fantasy Mountain Blade universe. Uh, so, the, yeah, like I said, the sequel improves in every way. Like The diplomacy is out of, the, out of this world better. Socializing at court is so great. There's all these different board games you can play with nobles. You can court um, nobility. You can marry them. You can date them. The graphics across the board are a thousand times better than the last game, but it's been so long since Mountain Blade Warband. And that's not saying that much. But overall, the game is also better organized. It's much more streamlined. It has this uh, live uh, basically in-game Wikipedia, where you can, like, if you hear that someone is at this place, like, let's say you're looking for Monchug, or you're looking for uh, Inglethar, which is my character's name, because I I forgot to press enter after I named him Danny McDanny the third Danny. Yeah, which is probably better, but our, our, our flag is still a menorah, which is pretty awesome. Um... The, the live Wikipedia thing, the game expects you to actually use it. And what's cool is, it's like, if, if you're looking for me in the game, you're like, where's Inglethar? Or like, you hear a rumor at a tavern that Inglethar is the guy that uh, can help you run your caravans. And he's in, uh, you know, someplace that you've never heard of. He's in, um, he's in Sanon or whatever. So you don't know where Sayanon is on the map. Although Saiyan-on, you will eventually learn where it is, and you'll learn it by heart. You won't need to look it up, but you need to find Sanon. and you also want to find Ingolthar. So you open up the the encyclopedia thing. You type in into the the little entry box, Ingolthar. And it'll pop up in the autocomplete. You click on that. It'll show me and it'll show you. I mean, it's not in multiplayer. This is just in single player. I'm using my own character as an example here. It will show you on that page that Inglethar is, you know, the head of the Hannadanian faction. Uh, he's, um, he'll tell you my relevant, uh, age and stuff. he will tell, it'll tell you what places I am. The the uh, Baron or whatever of like all my all the kingdoms that I all the major capitals that I own or whatever territories that I own who I'm aligned with who I'm married to who my family is and it'll also tell you where I was last seen and the conditions under which I was last seen. So if I've been taken captive uh, outside of, you know, Sayanon, then it'll say I've been taken captive outside of Sayanon. And then all you have to do is click on Sayanon, and this is, like, all in this very well-organized simple data sheet that's, like, really, really useful. And you can click on anything. It's a link. And that any links to, like, particular map names will actually... You can add that to your map as, like, a... um as like a hot spotted, as a favorite, as like a uh, an important thing. So now, when you scroll back on the map, it will no matter where you are on the map, it will show you where Sainon is off your screen, It'll have like a little post that you can follow, and then you can go up there and you know blah. So um, the big the biggest appeal though of Mountain Blade Two is uh, you can do whatever you want. I mean, literally, it doesn't matter. It's not so much what you don't do that affects your reputation, it's what you do. So, do you want to upgrade your character? You can upgrade your character to be whatever, to, for them to play and for them to be good at whatever aspect of the game that you like to play as, whatever focus your own style has. So, like, you want to make, make them, like, a leader of men? You want to have, like, huge party size? Do you want to be known as, like, a healer, as a Peacemaker as a diplomat? Do you or do you want to lead huge hordes of men? Do you want to have a reputation as a single a man who's great in single combat? Or a man who's able to best marshal his forces, you know, to Strategic effect. Do you want um, to have many lieutenants or no lieutenants? You know, do, uh, do you want to be, uh, instead of being like a great fucking uh, brawler, someone who just brings death with their own hands with like, you know, giant weapons? You can get your choice of whatever weapons you want. You can have your own combat specialties, um, and they are important and they are very interesting. Um, like, you know, like I have this one guy, Inglethar actually, uh, his best weapon is. Is a two-handed gigantic fucking axe. It is crazy that weapon, and you, you you have multiple weapons at the same time. But when you're on the field of battle, you only get can carry two of them. You can carry a ranged weapon above some sort and a melee weapon of some sort. So anyway, so if you don't want to go that way, then maybe you want, maybe you want your character to become like a fucking brilliant siege engineer savant who like can just fucking assemble and organize massive sieges and all the siege equipment and uh, shit to go and bring ruin to enemy castles. Um... It's all up to you. I mean, the game does not give a fuck. And it's cool because it does help to impress upon you that it's your ass on the line so you make all the final calls. It's up to you to keep your men fed. It's up to you to keep your men happy. And this is like between marches, this is during marches. It's up to you to plan you know, well enough if you're running trade to have a Enough fucking camels or horses or whatever. It's, if you're if you're car- if you're moving too slowly, if you're bogged down by prisoners or whatever, you have to figure that out. You know, and it, or or not, you know, whatever. And if your men are growing mutinous, then you have to deal with that. Uh, it's but it's all very very simple. It looks very simple, but underneath the hood, there's so much going on. It's really amazing. I wish, um, I wish the more people were talking about, like, how, like, there's, like, a lineage system now, like, where you can have, you know, um, progeny and shit that when you eventually die, cause your character will eventually die, um, hopefully of old age, they all take over. I haven't experienced that yet. Um, the individual battles themselves are, are, so vastly improved, the geography in which you fight is all procedurally generated more or less, so if you're by a bridge it'll generate a bridge, but if you're by a different type of bridge or near a different angle of a bridge, it'll generate that in the surrounding countryside, it's all bounded off by an out-of-bounds red wall, which if you go to, you basically leave the battle, you have a 10 second thing to leave the battle, and also you don't have to fight in every battle, you can just send your men, and they will fucking run it as a virtual simulation, which is what they would do anyway, if you were there and you got knocked out. Um, when you get knocked out, you have to, you can shift into a super hyper fast forward thing where the entire battle will play out in first person as you go to chase cam to chase cam to other, other members of your party or whatever, um, which is really cool. And it happens super fast. So, that's what happens when you get knocked out. Then if you have a sturgeon or if you have perks for getting knocked out, you'll recover, etc, etc, etc. If you lose battles, generally you get taken prisoner. If you're hated, sometimes they will cut your fucking head off. Um, sometimes you have to cut off people's heads, but generally it's better to ransom uh, your more valuable nobles uh, f- during war for cash and prizes. Um... One thing about battle, two things about battles that I gotta, I I have to get off my chest. One thing that sucks is the castle battles are not that great. They're just okay. And in general, the bigger the battle, like where you have more people than the other guy, the more kind of rote and exercise it kind of becomes, but it's still fun and still exciting and you, it's a, You know, only way to, you know, one of the only ways, one of the best ways to level up your actual abilities with whatever weapons you choose. The other thing about the battles is that the game seems like it was made almost for VR. But it doesn't apply across control schemes. So I've been playing Mountain Blade to Bannerlord with a keyboard and mouse, but the game is totally different if you play it with the joystick, because then combat becomes first person, and it's not that big of a difference. But it, visually, it's it's apples to oranges, and it's a real, real weird, crying shame that they couldn't iron out a way to make. Both control schemes have the features that make one or the other better, like, in terms of the way it presents the game to you, um, for the control system that doesn't actually have that. They're, mo- they're basically mutually exclusive, and it's kind of stupid. Um, but yeah, it's just the way the cookie cr- crumbles. Also, the game has a full linear story, uh, storyline and, uh, Quest to Conquest or whatever, um... That you can choose to avail yourself of or completely choose to ignore. Um, there are endless side quests everywhere. Um, built, like I said, building your reputation is paramount. Building strong business relationships is also paramount. Bi- strong business relationships ultimately, over the course of you know a couple of decades, w- might blossom into military and geopolitical footholds that will become important as you build out your fucking empire and kingdom and you know unite everyone underneath the banner because you are the banner Lord. Um, so yeah, you can become a skilled trader. Um, you can learn a, you can le- or you can learn a trade. Like personally, Anglethar is a blacksmith and he's a fucking world class blacksmith because you have to keep, you have to pay your own way in this game and you have to pay the, the funds of all the men who fight in your armies and everything. And you have to pay for upgrades and improvements in your So you have to make money in this game, which is a weird thing, but that's like why Bannerlord, Lord, Mountain Blade, the as a franchise is different from historical reality because this game has a market economy. Like there's literally a full-fledged market economy. You can you can set up caravans that run trades from one town to every other town and fief and hamlet and whatever, uh, and they'll auto manage them and they'll just, you know, give you back the the profits. Uh, every day or every month or something like that um, real time day and night cycle by the way uh, so yeah you can become a trader or you can learn to trade like a blacksmith blacksmith makes fucking horrendous amounts of money uh, once you level it out it is the best way to make money um, do you want to you can get, you can court, you can court, uh, nobles and marry them, marry royalty. You burnish your reputation. In one of a in different ways you can become known as like this fucking champion of righteousness or a criminal or a criminal to some, a champion to others, or just the biggest fucking scumbag on the face of the planet or the ultimate fucking champion of nobility. Up to you. You're, the, you're going to be the banner lord. Um. And also, uh, apart from just the battlefield, you can gain notoriety, renown, and a lot of good loot, early on especially, by just traveling around running trades that you actually carry yourself because, like, you know, it has a market economy so you know that over here, they'll buy this thing that's cheaper over here for much more over there. And they have an arena over there, so you can go go over there to sell your shit off, go to the arena, compete in the arena, which is like a, a series of four... Matches in a battle f- in a in, in a in a Roman arena like setting with a crowd and everything, um, where if you are killed you are eliminated from you're not actually killed you're just eliminated and you get to keep your health and everything um, and then if you complete the final. Round, it, it, it's all very quick, generally. Like, I mean, uh, generally, no round of an arena lasts longer than two minutes. Sometimes they last up to like three minutes and 30 seconds, but it, it's all different random weapons. The only thing you keep are your equipment and your armor, or your armor when you join the arena, but they give you random weapons. They'll give you a horse, a random horse sometimes. Um, and it's a good way to get a broad, range of experience and figure out which weapons you actually like to play with. Um, cause like I said, there's both ranged and melee and there's uh, swords and scythes and bows and crossbows and long bows and bows that can be used when you're riding a horse and bows that you have to be dismounted to use all sorts of shit um and then you can, if you, if you defeat the, if you win the final round, which generally you will once you get enough experience under your belt, um, they'll give you like a pro, a cash prize and they'll give you an item prize. And that item prize is frequently something that either is very good or can be sold for a lot of money, especially early on. So traveling around to just different arenas, which is what I did with Ingolthar, um, and trading alongside of that until so you can set up your own caravans and shit is, uh, go, but that's you know just how I did it. I didn't come to blacksmithing until like forty hours into the game, so I wish I had known because like blacksmithing you can print in your own money, but it's expensive at first and it's 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 difficult because you have to uh, you want to have a character who's high in endurance and you have to take specific perks in the blacksmithing um, tree that you have to be you have to know what you're doing. You have to pay careful attention to them. Um, and it's kind of tedious but by the time you get to like I think I'm level like uh, 190 something maybe 186 something like that I can't remember um you can make specific types of weapons at such a high quality of scale that you can sell the individual weapons that you craft yourself for you know 10 grand a piece you know or more um it's all up to you. So our final verdict. Yes, Mountain Blade 2 Warband earns the highest honor that the best links games podcast can confer on any title. It does win our worthful price, all price, any price every day, every day, etc. award. But with a caveat, if you don't like action, but like strategy, this game might not be for you. For everyone else, it's a slam dunk. You're going to have a good time with Mountain Blade 2 uh, Bannerlord. And it makes a great way to, uh, if you've never played any of the Mountain Blade games before, this is a great entry point for players new to the franchise. Okay, that'll do it for this week. I will catch you next week. And uh, don't forget to check out the Ubisoft sale. Um, and we, we might be back with a momentous announcement next week. So. Cheers! <laughs> Chance, we'll take it we any rule we'll break it We're gonna make our dreams come true Do it our way Nothing's gonna happen no windows version of weaponized chess what is it fucking ponderous man ponderous fucking ponderous it only runs on linux it's not a problem you alienated part of america i alienated crazy people i like it very much it is i eb farm you're becoming hysterical. I'm here, I'm there, I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The Best Linux Games Podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on amazon.com. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess.